Welcome to Hackstack, the show that gives you all the tips, tricks and advice you need to increase your productivity, lower your stress level and find ultimate purpose in life. All done, one simple step at a time. And now, here is your host, Coz. Ah, yes, sir. Thank you for that introduction and welcome to episode one of Hackstack. I'm your host, Kaz, and I am genuinely excited to be here. Uh, the concept of this show has been on my mind for a very, very long time. And with the help and encouragement of family and friends, and most important, most importantly, the brainstorming with those same friends and those same family members, uh, the concept is now a reality. So hopefully you guys will get something out of this podcast. Uh, first off, let me tell you a little quick something about myself. I'm 43 years old, been married for 10 years, and I have two kids, an eight-year-old boy and a six-year-old girl, so I have my hands full. Um, I have what I consider a pretty good job in corporate America, and some of my interests include uh, real estate investing, running, and philosophy, but probably my most favorite thing to do is to just hang out with family and friends and talk, but I'm not talking about just any talk. Uh, I like to ask off the wall, somewhat random questions that that get people thinking. And it was by asking some of these questions that I started to make the connection that most people have similar hopes, dreams, problems, and issues. I also started to realize that the way to accomplish any goal or the solution to a personal issue or problem, regardless of the problem and regardless of the goal, they all seem to have very similar approaches to doing that. It all seemed to be Uh, very formulaic. In short, a person could hack their way to success. Now, let me explain what a hack is. Um, You may have heard of someone that hacks into a computer, okay? So if someone's of devious motives and they're trying to get into a program and they need a password, uh, they could either try the whatever, millions upon millions of combinations, um, that would take a real long time, Or they could try and hack into that. Uh, If they had the skill, they could write a computer program, um, maybe get around that. Heck, maybe even look over someone's shoulder to get the password. Um, So they can basically break into that program uh, much quicker and more effectively than trying all those codes. So uh, that's sort of how the term life hack came about. If you want to do something quick, uh, more efficient, and better, you hack it. So just to give you a better idea, here is the official definition of a hack, a definition which I stole from lifehack.org. So here it is. A hack is any advice, resource, tip, or trick that will help you get things done more efficiently and more effectively. Um, Now, i got to be honest with you. Some of the hacks out there are a little silly. Um, Here are just two examples, okay? So if you're at work and you have a dirty keyboard and you're about to throw away a post-it note, you can turn the post-it note upside down and put the sticky part in between the keyboard keys and move it around in between the keys and you can get lots of the dirt and the crumbs and the gunk out of that keyboard and then you just throw away the post-it note, all right? That's that's pretty silly. Another one is if you ever had microwave popcorn, Put it in the microwave, you usually open it up steaming hot. Well, you have all these crumbs that are in the bottom of the popcorn bag. Well, if instead of opening it up all the way, if you open up the bag just slightly, turn it upside down, shake it really hard, you get all of the kernels out. You shake it over the garbage can and you get all the kernels out and you don't have to worry about it, right? So then you lay the bag on its side and then you can cut a hole and sort of create a, um, a self-contained bowl. Uh, so you don't have to reach your hand down, get butter on the back of your hand. You can just use that bowl you just made and eat one kernel at a time. Uh, so you've got no extra uncooked popcorn kernels and you keep your hand clean, right? But those are really pretty silly, okay? Um, all right, so here is a hack you can really use. Um, my friend told me about this about six months ago. And I've been using it ever since. Uh, So say you're driving to work and you realize that when you're coming home, you need to pick up milk and you don't want to forget it. So 
Right then in the morning, you tell Siri on your phone what you want to do, and you do that by pressing the home button on your phone and then just telling Siri what you want to remember and then hitting the confirm button, and Siri will be friendly and remind you. So here's how it works. Press the home button. Remind me at 4 p.m. to pick up milk. Here's your reminder for tomorrow. Okay, I'll remind you. So there you go. Hit the confirm button and then uh, you will be reminded to pick up milk. So when I have literally used that thing, I think, twice a day ever since. Um, so that's a hack that you can really, really use. Um, now, just to be clear, though, this is not a show about silly hacks. Uh, this is a show about hacks that will literally change your life. I mean, these hacks are legit. legit. All right. Sorry about that. Sometimes I flash back to songs that were popular back when I was in high school and college. Uh, that was MC Hammer circa 1991. Uh, but now to be clear, just because I play a little old school rap music doesn't mean that only people that are my age can relate to this podcast. Uh, I realize that not everyone out there is a man in their 40s and married with kids. Uh, remember, I think that these concepts can help anyone out in virtually any circumstance. And when I was thinking of the show, I was thinking, actually, what advice would the 43-year-old me tell the 23-year-old me? So I truly feel these are universal concepts that can really help people out in their life. Um, all right, so now that you know what hack in the word hack stack mean, what does stack mean in the show title hack stack well it's actually pretty simple if you think of a, a kid that would stack blocks on top of each other um, if you want to build a successful stack you have to stack those blocks in a certain way you wouldn't necessarily put the smallest block on the bottom and then the bigger blocks on top otherwise your pile your pile of blocks would fall off pretty quickly so you need to put them uh, in a certain order and have a really good foundation um, so you're going to put the bigger, bulkier blocks on the bottom, and then you're going to put smaller blocks on top. So in the same fashion, you need to learn specific hacks in a specific order if you want to be successful in life. Okay, so now to further emphasize this point, let me give you another analogy. All right, well, actually, I guess maybe it's a metaphor. I don't know. One of those two. It's about the sport of golf, which I am personally horrible out. I mean, this is a sport... I am bad. And when I say bad, I mean, I'm really bad. Um, my golf stroke is bad. My form is horrible. I'm so bad. I can't even have fun. Um, I mean, there's some sports I think that you can be really bad at and still have fun. I'm a horrible tennis player, but I can get the ball over the net and I can still have a good time with my friends. Golf is a little different. It's downright embarrassing. You hit that ball, it goes in the woods, you shank it, you, you whiff it. That's a little embarrassing. So the bad part for me with that is occasionally for my job, um, there's golf outings that I pretty much have to go to. Um, so knowing I'm a bad golfer and I have to do this for my work, uh, which is a little embarrassing given I'm really bad. Um, so think about that. If, if you want to get better in golf, what do you do? You, well, you see an instructor. And that's exactly what I did. And, and that instructor, what he does is he starts with the basics. So... I go to my instructor for a little hour lesson, and the first thing the instructor tells me to do is focus on my grip, all right? There's a certain way to hold the club, right? I'm right-handed, so he told me to interlock my, uh, my pinky and my index finger on the opposite hands and form um, a V between my thumb and my index finger so it points over my right shoulder. I'd never heard of these concepts, but that was a way to line up my arms in the proper fashion, okay? And only after I understood and got that basic concept did he proceed to tell about the stance. You know, you line your feet up in a certain way. Um, there's a certain distance that you keep your feet apart and the ball is a certain position relative to your feet, okay? When I, and he would have me like step away from the ball and then step up to the ball, step away from the ball and step up to the ball just to work on where my feet should be relative to the ball. Uh, then after that, he, he, he layered in a couple other things. You know, you have to keep your head down during your swing. You have to keep your left arm, arm straight, you know. Um, 
Because if you move your head in the backswing, you know, you take a big chunk out of the ground, you'll whiff the ball, you'll shank the ball, um, you know, all the things that I was, you know, pretty familiar with. So only after I understood all these proper concepts in the proper order, did he even start to let me swing at actual golf balls. So in a one hour lesson, I maybe had only 15 minutes of actually hitting the golf balls. Uh, and that just shows you how important some of these other things are, some of these foundational things. So in one lesson, I went from not being able to even make contact with the ball to at least being able to hit the ball occasionally and sort of in the right direction. Um, now, I, I, didn't, I didn't have the patience to stick with golf, and I'm still horrible at golf. But imagine if I did stick with it. If I took lesson after lesson, the instructor would no longer be trying to teach me the basics. You know, once these basics were second nature, he would teach me how to really step up my game, what to do in each specific situation to have the best score possible. You know, he would tell me what to do when the ball is lying uh, in the lip of a sand trap 75 yards from the green where the hill slopes downward toward the cup. But it all starts with getting your grip right. All right, then stacking on top of that, the stance, then stacking the rest of the basic concepts on the foundation until you are an expert. Now, this golf lesson concept is what I'm after with this show, okay? If you had a bad golf stroke, bad golf stroke your golf game is not going to be a whole lot of fun. Uh, that's sort of the same thing like life, right? If you're not getting the results you want, sometimes life can be a bummer. Um, no matter what you want to accomplish in life, we're going to show you how to start with the basic hacks. Then we are going to gradually stack other hacks on top of that until you get the point where success is basically second nature and your wins far outweigh your losses. All right. So, so the first thing we need to talk about is what success is, right? I've mentioned it several times. Um, so let's go ahead and define real success. Um, define success real quick, right? To do this, I'm actually going to have someone else do the talking for me. And this is going to be a concept that's a, a common theme on my show. Um, I'm just going to find uh, the best people and the brightest minds on these different subjects and sort of bring them to you, right? I don't have a whole lot of original ideas and concepts. I just like to put them in the right order, something that's a little more intuitive. Um, so if you guys ever remember, the show used to be on E! E! Network uh, called Talk Soup. Uh, actually, I don't, I'm pretty sure it's off the air. I don't know if it's on the air anymore, but but basically, this was just a summary, and it just played clip after clip of various trashy TV-type shows like, you know, Ricky Lake or, or Maury Povich or Jerry Springer or whatnot. And it was usually, you know, you're usually laughing at the expense of some other unfortunate soul, uh, you know, the issues they're going uh, through. So instead of that concept... Um, you know, where we're, we're talking about trash TV, we're actually going to try and find some unique thought-provoking material for any source that I can find it and share that w with you. You know, whether that's a clip from an audiobook, a podcast, a, a website, a blog, or yes, even an old cassette tape. All right, so with that in mind, this first clip, we're going to start talking about the term success. Um, and this is actually from an old cassette tape by uh, by a motivational speaker. His name is Zig Ziglar. All right, so let's hear what he has to say on the subject of success. Check it out. A number of years ago, about six years ago, I received a letter from a gentleman in Toronto, Canada. In the letter, there was a substantial check. He said to me, I've got a good friend who is following the wrong role model. His role model, he says, is the most successful man he knows. As a result, my young friend is literally working himself to death. He leaves the house every morning at 6. He generally gets back between 10 and 12 that night. He's gone to sleep on several occasions, and a couple occasions ran his car off the road as he was going back and forth. His health is suffering. His marriage is in trouble. And he said, uh, he happens to have a great deal of respect for you. If you will permit me to bring him to Dallas and spend an hour with us, this check is yours. 
Well, now, folks, first of all, let me say I do not do any counseling. I'm not trained for it. I do not have the time for it. Uh, besides that, my natural inclination is to believe everything the last person I talk to tells me. So that does not really uh, lead to effective counseling. But here's a man who was so sincere about his friend and so concerned about him that he encloses a substantial check. He said, it's yours. I returned the check and I said, come on down. When we got there, when the the young man and uh, his benefactor arrived, we sat down in my office. And as we talked, I started asking him questions. I said, uh, I understand you have a role model. And he said, yes, I do. I said, I understand he's your hero. And he said, yes, he is. And I said, well, tell me why. And he said, well, he's the most successful man that I've ever known. And I said, well, now, how do you define success? I said, now, in other words, what would you have to be, do, and have in order to be really successful? Well, he started, took, I guess, 15 minutes for this to come out because you, you, you kind of take a roundabout trip. But by the end of those minutes, he had said that if he had these things, this is what has come out of it. Everybody wants to be happy. They want to be healthy. They want to be reasonably prosperous and secure. They want to have friends, peace of mind, good family relationships, and hope. Now, I asked him, I said, if you had all of these things, would you consider yourself to be successful? He said, absolutely. And I said, now, you're modeling your life after a successful individual. He said, that's right. And I said, well, let's put the yardstick on him and see just how successful is he. I said, is he a happy man? And he reflected just for a few seconds, and he said, no, he isn't. And I said, well, we'll give him a failing grade on uh, that one then. I said, now, but why do you say he's not happy? And he said, well, I almost uh, never see him smile, and I can't remember ever hearing him laugh. And on top of that, he's got ulcers. So I said, well, now you've already uh, covered a couple of things there, Uh, He's not happy, and he's not healthy, and he certainly has no peace of mind, or he wouldn't have those ulcers. He said, that's right. And I said, well, now tell me, how prosperous is it? And he said, oh, he's in good shape there. He's making lots of money and getting more coming in all the time. I said, okay, we will give him a plus on that one. Then I said, how secure is he? Well, understand, here's a young man that's wrapped up the fact that money gives us security. So he said, well, he's about as secure as money uh, can make him. And I said, uh, okay, let me tell you about a couple of billionaires here in Dallas who went bankrupt. How does your boss compare? Oh, he said he doesn't have that kind of money. I said, okay, there was an industrialist over in Fort Worth worth over a half a billion. He went bankrupt. How does it come? Oh, he doesn't have that kind of money. Ex-governor was worth over a hundred million, and he went bankrupt. How does he compare there? And he, oh, he said he doesn't have that kind of money either. So I said, in other words, there would be a question as to whether or not he's secure. He said, uh, yep, that's right. There's a, that's an honest evaluation. There's a good question. I said, now tell me, how many friends does he have? And he thought for a minute on that one. He said, you know, I don't think he's got any friends. He said, frankly, I'm not his friend. I just admire him because he's so, so," and he couldn't see it that time, so successful. Uh, He said, actually, when you get to know him, the guy's actually a jerk. So I said, uh, okay, we will uh, give him a failing grade on that one. I said, tell me how he's getting along with his family. And he said, well, his wife's divorcing him. Well, we give him a failing grade on, uh, on that one. I said, uh, tell me, uh, how much hope does he have? And he said, well, he thinks he's got a lot, but the more I sit here, the more I realize that I don't, uh, I don't think the guy's got a prayer. And I said, okay, uh, uh, we'll, uh, we'll give him a failing grade on that. I said, now, there are eight things in life that people want, And uh, he failed one, two, three, four, five, six of them, got a plus on one and a question mark on the other. And I said, let me ask you a question. Knowing what you now know that your eyes have been opened, would you swap places with him? Long pause. He slowly stood up, extended his hand. The interview was over. 
as he said, no, I wouldn't. One of my proudest possessions is I carry it with me all the time in my wallet is a picture I got from the young man three years later showing him and his family, including the new baby. He gave it to me at a seminar I was conducting uh, in Washington, D.C., I believe it was, and he said, I want you to know I got into a different occupation. I'm making more money than ever. My wife and I are happier than ever. I believe you're talking to a successful man. You see, when you really analyze it, a lot of times we just concentrate on one thing in life. And if you're a single goal individual, you probably will reach it. But in the process, you will be miserable if that becomes the dominating force in your life. Now, let's take a look at at some of the things that I believe uh, make quite a difference. The question is, uh, how do you get more of the things that money will buy? We want those things. I, I like what money buys. I like to wear nice clothes. I like to drive a nice car, live in a nice house. I like to take that redhead uh, out to nice restaurants and on nice trips. I like to play golf at the country club. Every one of them costs money. I like those things. But I love the things that money won't buy. See, money bought me a house, a nice house. It won't buy me a home. Money will buy me a companion. It won't buy me a friend. Money will buy me a bed. It won't buy me a good night's sleep. Money will buy me a good time but it won't buy me peace of mind. And in the final analysis, those are the things that people really do want. All right. So, so there you go. Um, it seems like balance in life uh, is the true key to success. All right. So what's the next step? Well, at the end of each episode, I'm going to give you some homework, uh, and I will also give you what I call a foundational hack. Um, basically, and if, if you get this hack right, you are well on your way to getting where you want to go. All right. So this is going to be a, a podcast of, of action, right? You're not going to, you know, knowledge without action is useless, right? We really want you to apply this, this information. So, um, again, if you get these foundational hacks, right, this is the equivalent of holding your golf club properly. All right. But before we get into that, I need to do a little uh, mental house cleaning. All right. So I'm going to switch gears a little bit with you and we are going to do a thought experiment. All right. So here we go. Uh, I want you to think of the worst boss you have ever had. I mean, ever. Then think about why this boss was so bad. All right. Go ahead. I'll give you a few a uh, few moments to stew on that for a little bit. Wish I had some Jeopardy music for you. Okay, so you have a person in your head now, right? All right, well, it's sort of a trick question. Um, and to illustrate this, um, I'm going to play a, a clip for you called Who is the World's Worst Boss? All right. So here's something to chew on from the blog of Seth Godin, who is a best-selling author, entrepreneur, and marketing guru. All right. Here is what he had to say on the subject. Uh, so let's go ahead and play this clip. Who is the world's worst boss? That would be you. Even if you're not self-employed, your boss is you. You manage your career, your day, your responses. You manage how you sell your services and your education and the way you talk to yourself. Odds are you're doing it poorly. If you had a manager that talked to you the way you talk to you, you would quit. If you had a boss that wasted as much of your time as you do, they'd fire her. If an organization developed its employees as poorly as you were developing yourself, it would soon go under. I'm amazed at how often people choose to fall when they go out on their own or when they end up in one of those rare jobs that encourages one to set an agenda and manage themselves. Faced with the freedom to excel, they falter and hesitate and stall and ultimately punt. We are surprised when someone self-directed arrives on the scene. Someone who figures out a way to work from home and then turns that into a two-year journey, laptop in hand, as they explore the world while doing their job. We are shocked that someone uses evenings and weekends to get a second education. 
or start a useful new side business. And we're envious when we encounter someone who has managed to bootstrap themselves into happiness, as if that's rare or even uncalled for. There are a few good books on being a good manager, fewer still on managing yourself. It's hard to think of a more essential thing to learn. All right. So, hey, if the shoe fits, wear it, right? Um, so how are you doing on your education, you know, your personal development, your time management, your goal setting? And in my opinion, the most damaging trait of all, poor self-talk. So what did that kip, uh, clip say? Right. If you had a manager that talked to you the way that you talk to you, you would quit. I mean, isn't that so true? I mean, think about that. Here are the, some of the things that we may say to ourselves all the time. You know, there is no way I will ever get that done. I'm such a loser compared to that person. That person didn't say hi to me. They may not like me. What's to like anyway? I'm always late. I never get anything right. I hate waking up early. There is no way I could do that. That's just not who I am. That's for someone better or smarter or stronger than me. Right? These type of thoughts will kill your ambition and your dream. And if someone else said these type of things to you, you'd probably be pretty ticked off. So why do we say these things to ourselves? Right? These are all basically different ways to say the same thing, right? They're different ways to say this, this, to say, I can't, I can't do this, right? We tell ourselves I can't all the time. So here's a quick little hack for you. Um, I like to call it the, the million dollar question. Um, whenever you tell this to yourself, or it's really handy if someone else says something like this, like, oh, there's no way I could run three miles or, you know, if someone's starting an exercise program or whatever. All right. So here's the million dollar question. You just phrase it like this. All right. So you mean to tell me if I were to give you a million dollars for running three miles that you couldn't do it, right? I'll give you three months. All you have to do is run three miles and I'll give you a million dollars. You're going to tell me you can't do that. See, now that, that kind of, (laughs) kind of eliminates the excuses, right? Well, What I really meant to say is I don't want to do it. Okay, well, that's a different question. But to say you can't do it, you know, frame it up in that million dollar question context and ask that to yourself, right? Oh, I can't do that. Well, honestly, if someone were to give you a million dollars, could you do it? If you think about it in that term, um, it changes things up a little bit. All right. So um, now let's let's go ahead and play another clip from our our buddy uh, Zig Ziglar. and this is uh, deals a little bit with uh, self-talk. All right, so let's play this for you. Hold on one second. All right, here we go. About 20 years ago, Larry Majors, who's my executive assistant, received a phone call from a lady in Birmingham who had a serious problem. She said, Zig, she's worried about it. I think you can probably help her in 10 minutes if you'll just speak with her. Well, the lady, uh, we made an agreement. She was to come backstage uh, just before I was to speak over there. As it happened, I was on one side of the stage when she came back, and she walked in on the other side. When she saw me, she started walking over there. And I mean, I have never seen as much anger in a walk in my life. Now, I'm not going to say the lady was overweight, but she's about five and a half inches too short. Uh, <laughs> when, she, uh, when she looked at me and saw me, she uh, almost started crying. She said, oh, I'm just so glad to see you. I've got this terrible job. I just hate it. I want out of it. Can you help me? She's the kind of person that could brighten up a whole room by leaving it. I know that, uh, uh, you know that you've seen people like that. Well, now, please understand, I'm not a trained counselor. I don't do any counseling. I don't have time. I'm not trained for it, as I say. And my natural inclination is to believe everything the last person I talk to tells me. Now, that does not make for good counseling. But when somebody says, help, if I've got 10 minutes, I try to use them. Well, the time was so limited, I knew I had to cut to the quick because the people who do a lot of counseling tell me that everybody who comes to you with a problem do not want a solution. Now, the first time I heard that, I thought, that's crazy. Why would they talk about a problem if they don't want to solve it? 
And the counselors explain to me, they want to tell you about it, you about it, you about it, you about it, and you about it. And if you foul up the deal and solve the problem, they can't tell you again, you again, you again, and you again. They want the attention that goes with it. Those of you in management know that the same person brings basically the same problem to you over and over again. I knew that she had this problem, and I knew I had to get right to it if I was going to be of any help to her at all. When she said she wanted out of there, I said, well, ma'am, I got some bad news for you. She said, well, what do you mean? I said, I believe they're going to fire you. She was stunned. She said, fire me? Why would they fire me? And the implication was that I'm the good guy. All of them are bad. I'm good. Why would they fire the only good guy there? I said, ma'am, it's, have you noticed that people who are the problem never recognize that they are? They're in complete denial. They think denial is just a river in Egypt. I mean, they, they, uh, uh, you know, they're not the problem. Why would they fire me? And I said, ma'am, I don't believe there's a company in Alabama big enough to contain this much poison in one small spot. And let me ask you a question. Have you ever noticed that a lot of people who didn't like anything about a certain thing, they didn't like their mate, they didn't like their job, they didn't like their neighborhood, they didn't like a lot of things, but the moment they realized that they were about to lose it, or thought they were, all of a sudden, new value is established in that. She sobered up very quickly. She said, well, what can I do? I said, do you really want to know? She said, yes, I do. That's the reason I came to you. I wanted some help, but you sure hadn't been any help so far. I said, well, ma'am, I got an idea, and I believe it'll work. I know it will if you'll do it. She said, I'll try anything within reason. I said, okay, when you get home tonight, just before you go to bed, get off in a room right by yourself, close the door, turn off all television and everything else, get a sheet of paper out, and write at the top of it, I like my job because. She said, that'll be easy. I don't like nothing about that job. I don't like nothing about those people down there. I said, well, ma'am, let me ask you, uh, do you work there for benevolent reasons or do they pay you for working there? Well, she said, they pay me for working there. And I said, and you don't like to be paid. Well, she said, of course I do. I I, got to be paid. I said, well, now, a minute ago, you said you didn't like nothing about that job and nothing about them people down there. She said, well, I didn't know you was talking about that. I said, you don't think income's important? She said, oh, I sure do. I said, well, I'll tell you what you do. Open your notebook. You got it in your hand. We'll start our list right now. She just stood there. I said, no, let's go ahead and start the list right now. She just stood there. I I said, ma'am, let me tell you what my experiences in life has been. My experience is this. People who won't take step number one never take step number two. Now, what that means is you and I both are now wasting our time. Unless you were willing to take step number one, uh, I've got some things I really should be doing, and I'm sure you would rather do things than talk to me. With anger, she opened her notebook. And she said, now, what would you say I liked about my job? (laughs) They pay you for working there. That's number one, okay? Number two, let me ask you, do they pay you above average, below average, or about average for what you do? She said, well, I got to confess, they pay me a little above average. I said, you like that too, don't you? She said, yes, I do. I said, write her down. You, you see, the reality, this lady had come to me with a totally unrealistic expectation. She had expected me to solve the problem. Folks, I can't do that. As a matter of fact, Dr. Graham can't solve your problem. Uh, the reality is we can give you ideas, concepts, procedures. We can introduce you to the Lord. Now, he's the problem solver. But basically, it's going to be in your lap. You've got to make the choice. You've got to take the action, or you will carry the problem with you to this counseling session, that counseling session, and the next counseling session. Ultimately, we must accept the responsibility. I've got to do something. All right, there you go. So pretty interesting stuff right there. Right? Everyone that comes to you with a problem doesn't necessarily want a solution. They want to tell everyone, and if you solve the problem... They don't get the attention that goes along with it, you know, so they have the same problem over and over again. So here's, here's the thing, right? Don't be that guy or that gal, you know, the one that complains about their issues and the problems, but doesn't do anything to fix it, right? Step one is to take action, right? So here, uh, here are a few more quotes uh, just to get you thinking. All right. It's a quote for you. If you think you can do a thing, 
or think you can't do a thing, you're right. Okay, that's from Henry Ford, right? He played a big part in making uh, the American middle class with the uh, assembly line for automobiles. All right, here's another quote. As long as you're going to be thinking anyway, think big. All right, that's from Donald Trump. Now, I'm sure a lot of you don't think Donald uh, the Trump is a, is a high-quality person, um, but he is very successful in business, right? And he makes a really, really good point. Um, it's really hard to turn off your mind. You're always thinking, right? You're always thinking. So most people tend to think negative. But if, if you have to think anyway, why not think big, right? That makes a lot of sense to me. Uh, now, I know some of you folks out there read the Bible. So, so what does the good book have to say on this subject? Well, you read in Philippians 4.13, it says, For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. All right, now think about the last three quotes that we've just heard, right? (laughs) If secular folks and religious folks are all saying the same message, you know, maybe you ought to pay attention, right? (laughs) That's like Democrats and Republicans agreeing. You know, it hardly ever happens. But once once everyone's sort of singing the same song, you know, why? If everyone says, you know, you need to think, think positive and tell yourself you can do it, why are you not doing that, right? Um, now, I know a lot of you think you hear the word positive thinking, and um, I want to be clear, it's not just a whole lot of fluff. There is some limitations. So let's go back to Zig uh, Ziglar one last time uh, to address some of those uh, potential concerns. All right, here we go. You know, a lot of people regard discipline as a dirty word. I thought Sybil Stanton, in her beautiful book, The 25-Hour Woman, said it better than anybody I've ever heard. She said, discipline is not on your back, needling you with imperatives. It's at your side, encouraging you with incentives. It's the truth that when you discipline yourself to do the things you need to do, when you need to do them, the day's going to come when you can do the things you want to do, when you want to. To do them. And yet most people have attached negative connotations to the word discipline. Listen, I want to be free is the song that is sung. But you take the train off the tracks, it's free, but it can't go anywhere. You take the steering wheel out of the automobile, it's under the direction and control of no one, but it can't move. The sailor at sea has freedom of the seas only when he or she disciplined themselves to stay obedient to the compass. Unless they are obedient to the compass, they've got to remain within sight of shore. Once they become obedient to that compass, though, they can go anywhere in the world they want to go that that boat will take them. When we discipline ourselves, then, ladies and gentlemen, we can go so much further. You persisted until you finished the job. That positive mental attitude kicked in, and that is so important. Let me tell you why I believe that I'm the strongest uh, advocate of positive thinking in America. I am so strong on it because I understand, I believe what it will do, but equally important, I understand what it won't do. And that's a very important distinction. You see, positive thinking won't let you do anything, but it will let you do everything better than negative thinking will. Does that make sense? How many of you recognize the name Shaquille O'Neal? Can I see your hand? See, Shaquille O'Neal, seven feet, two inches tall, 318 pounds or thereabouts, is optimistic, highly motivated, very enthusiastic, positive thinker. As a result of those wonderful qualities combined with his specific athletic skills, he's a wonderfully successful basketball player, just signed a contract for two and a half trillion dollars to play basketball, or some such obscene amount. It was over 120 million dollars. Now, he's very successful with all of his uh, positive thinking as a basketball player. But Shaquille O'Neal would be a total and complete failure as a jockey. As a matter of fact, he'd have to carry the horse across the line, you know. I'm an upbeat, optimistic, enthusiastic, motivated, positive thinker. But if you needed major surgery and you chose me for the operation... I would encourage you not to make any long-range plans. <laughs> oh, I'd do the best I could. I'd be optimistic, enthusiastic, and motivated, but you'd still die. 
Now, positive thinking won't let you do anything, but let me tell you what it will do. It will let you do everything better than negative thinking will. It will let you use the ability and the training which you've had. That's all you're doing right here. You're using the ability and the training which you had before that day before vacation got here. So important. Here's the way it works. You know, modern America is, is incredible. When we walked in here uh, in some of the arenas I go in, uh, it's, it's always pitch black. And the way they light them just delights and astonishes me. You know how they light those arenas? It's flip some switches. That's all they do. They flip switches. And it gets lighted. Now, why does that work? It is because the electricity has already been stored. Flipping the switch releases it. It floods in, and we've got light. Now, had they not stored the electricity before, we'd still be in an unlighted room. The youngster who walks in to take a test with positive thinking but doesn't have a clue as to what the test is all about, he's going to flunk that sucker. I don't care how optimistic he gets to be. So positive thinking lets you use the ability you have. Now, in all of this process, you become a team player. Now, why is a team player important? You are setting an example. Many of you have heard me say this on countless occasions, uh, but you, you see... People don't pay a whole lot of attention many times to what you say, but they will always remember what you do. That's important. You, you teach what you know, but you reproduce who you are. Let me get you to do something for me. Would you just empty your hands for a moment, please? I'm going to say one, two, three, go. Then I'd like to get you just to slap your hands, okay? One, two, three, go. <laughs> now, folks, I don't want to sound immodest, but I've made a pretty fair living for a long time as a communicator. I slowed it down when I told you what to do. You ignored everything I said. But you did exactly what I did. The example you set. The parent who says to the child, tell the truth. Telephone rings, tell them I'm not home. Has <laughs> not only taught the child a lie for them, they just taught the child a lie to them. Very important distinction. The parent who says, obey the law. Now, the reason I use a fuzz buster is... They have just said to the child, look, kid, if you're going to break the law to be smart like your old man, get you a fuzz buster and put it on the car. 20 million American cars carry them. Sole purpose is to evade the law. Break it and get by with it. That's the purpose of it. Your competency goes up. You feel so good about yourself. Your energy level is fantastic. You know, ladies and gentlemen, the most difficult day of your life at the office or the job it's when you really don't have enough to do. And you have to fill in the space with nothing. And you try to fool the boss, you know, make him think, you know, that you really are important. Or if you are the boss, you try to fool the troops. Your energy level is so high that day before you go on vacation, you know, as you head home, you're talking to yourself, man alive, I got so much done today. I can't wait to tell the family about it. I feel so good. Matter of fact, we're going to pack up tonight and start our vacation tonight. Why wait until tomorrow? Whereas on the other hand, if you tried to fool the boss all day, or if you are the boss, at the end of the day, boy, I don't know if I can handle this anymore. I am absolutely exhausted. Now, folks, let me emphasize a point. If you can do this on the day before vacation, is there any reason why you can't do it two days before you go on vacation? Or three? You realize that you take exactly the same knowledge you had. And remember now, I'm talking about you. Everything I'm saying is right at you, not to people who are not here, not to anybody that you wish were here, anything like that. I'm talking about you on your day before vacation. These are the things that you do. These are the qualities you have, else you could not be using them. This is why you get so much more done. 
Now, if you will simply repeat this process on a regular basis, the first thing you know, even the jobs you don't like, you will begin to develop a love for. And then you will develop passion because, you see, passion is born the moment you catch a glimpse of the potential. The potential in the job, the potential in you, the potential in your marriage, the potential in your child, that's when passion really is born. Now, folks, let me ask you, uh, how many of you have identified them as either attitudes or skills? Can I see your hands, please? Or did you get carried away and just not do it? How many of you listed most of them as attitudes? Can I see your hands, please? I've got wonderful news for you. You are 100% wrong. Every one of them are skills. Now, why is that such good news? If they're skills, that means I can learn them and you can learn them. It means our kids and our grandkids can learn these things. It means the youngster from the slum, as long as they have an opportunity to be exposed to this kind of thinking, uh, then they too can develop those skills. Now, what we got to understand is this is an ongoing process. See, part of the fertilizer was described by Cynthia Ann Broad when she said, in times of change, and how many of you would agree that we're in times of change? Now, change, ladies and gentlemen, is significant. She says, it is the learners who will inherit the earth, while the learned will find themselves beautifully equipped for a world that no longer exists. Okay, I think we got the gist of that. So... Um, just so you guys know, when he talks about attitudes or skills, there's something uh, in the clip a little earlier, you know, things like integrity, loyalty, uh, positive thinking, things that are traditionally thought of as, as character traits. Uh, he's contending that uh, these are skills that can be developed and grown uh, and nurtured. So just wanted to give you a little context on that. So, all right. So now that we've completed just a tad of mental uh, house cleaning, let's start to get into some specific actions that you can take, right? So to set the stage, let me read some statistics for you, all right? Um, and on the show notes, uh, which you should be able to just tap the, uh, the podcast icon, and you should uh, get the show notes. I'll put the references here, but I'm just going to read you some statistics. All right. The average executive slash CEO reads between 48 and 60 books per year. All right, that's an average of four to five books per month. All right, compare that to the, the average American. All right, the average American reads one book yearly. In one year, one book. And of, of that group, 60% don't make it past the first chapter. All right, so you're talking most Americans read less than a chapter a year of any book. All right, now now compare this to um, the easiest indication of, uh, or the typical indication of success in this country, right? Money, all right? The average American earns around $44,880 per year, while the average CEO earns about $155,000 per year. All right. And actually that's, that's just the average. The salary can range up to get this 331 times of the average American. All right. So you've got CEOs earning an average of 331 times over the average American. Now there's a whole host of of reasons for that, but I'm going to argue that one of the big reasons is the accumulation and use of knowledge, right? If you've got people that are reading 60 books a year and they're competing for jobs against people that read no chapters or less than one chapter a year. Um, I don't know. I'm going to put my money on, on a certain person <laughs> that reads a lot of books uh, that's going to get that promotion or, or get that job. All right. So I guess the point is maybe there's something to consuming information uh, and knowledge and trying to apply that knowledge. And it seems one of the, the easiest ways to do that is to read books. All right. So let me, uh, let me piggyback that with some other information about how much time people spend in their car and how much they drive. All right. Um, one report from ABC news, uh, says 90% of Americans say they usually drive, uh, reporting an average of 87 minutes 
per day behind the wheel. Um, here's another one. Commuters average about 100 minutes per day. Uh, in another study by the Harvard Health Watch, average Americans spend 101 minutes per day. Per day. Uh, Business Insider Magazine, here's another one. 100 hours commuting. Let me see, that's per year. Okay, so it looks like about 100 minutes per day is the average, right? So that's about an hour and 40 minutes in the car. All right. Um, per year, you got about 100 hours commuting. Uh, so so what do these two statistics have to do with each other? Well, here's the thing. I I love books, but I hate to read, right? So so how do you get around that? Well, well here here's your hack, right? You listen to audiobooks, right? You you listen to podcasts. Uh, you listen to anything you can get your hands on and you use this time that is basically wasted time, right? So um if we're spending 100 hours per year in the car, and that's just an average, um, if you listen, and I, you say in audiobooks about eight hours, you can get 12 books in a year without even trying, right? You can be reading books on health and fitness, uh, career advancement, you know, how to be a better spouse, a better communicator, how to be happier, you know, what's the meaning of life, all of these things that you can do basically taking nothing out of your schedule. And I know some of you have really long commutes and you can just knock out a ton of material. And others are like, well, I'm not in the car that much. And, you know, my commute's only a few minutes. Well, check it out. I have my commute to work is 10 minutes per day, right? That's 20 minutes round trip. All right. Most commutes don't get much shorter than that. But even if it's five minutes, that still works. Okay. So 10 minutes a day, 20 minutes round trip. Uh, you're looking about an hour and a half in the car, just on your commute, you know, this doesn't count going to the grocery store and all that stuff. Um, so an hour and a half, two hours per week, look, without even trying, you can get through one book per month. Now, I know some of you really like music and that's cool and that's fine. Uh, but maybe give this a try. Just take a break from that. All right. I know some of you guys like Mike and Mike in the morning and sports radio and, and, and look, your favorite sports team, they're going to be there. They're, they really don't care what you think. They're going to draft who they're going to draft. They're going <laughs> to write up their game plan with or without you. Uh, most of the people commenting on the teams really have no idea what's going on. You're just listening to a bunch of opinions. And it's cool. Look, I like football. Love my Indianapolis Colts. Um, even though the Patriots beat them, which totally sucks. But um, they'll be back. But anyway, what you can give up your sports radio in the morning for some life enrichment. Just give it a try. See what happens. All right. So, so here is your number one hack, right? This is a foundational hack. This is the equivalent of holding your golf club correctly, right? You get through books by listening to audio books and podcasts while doing something you're doing every day anyway, namely spending time in your car. I mean, this literally takes zero time out of your schedule. You know, you don't have to work it into your schedule. You don't have to figure out what to do. It's already there. It's just not being used. And when I say audiobooks, look, I'm not talking uh, the hunger games. I mean, there's a, <laughs> there's a time and a place for books for entertainment. Uh, but I'm talking books that can revolutionize the way you think and the way you act. All right. So here are a few quick hacks um, to maximize that and to get audiobooks into your diet of uh, commuting and car time. All right. So if you haven't already done so on Amazon, uh, they have a sister company called Audible. There's an app uh, available for that. Uh, pretty much at a click of a button, you can download an entire audiobook. You know, and these books are, are written by ra or read by radio personalities or, you know, Shakespeare play, play guys, theatrical, um, I mean, really high quality audio content, right? Push of a button, you can get an entire book on your phone that you can then play in your car. Um, actually, I think if you sign up for free, if you just want to try this out, um, if you sign up for free, you got like 30 days, you can get a free book or two. Um, and if you don't like it, you can just cancel it. Uh, I, I don't recommend canceling it because hopefully this is going to be a new part of your, your life. 
Uh, but you can do that and try that out. So Audible. Um, MP3 players, you can download content to MP3 players. MP3 players are now very cheap. Um, and if you're really, really cheap, which I have been there before, which is fine, you can pretty much get most books for free in CD format at your local library. Um, and if you don't have a library card, uh, go get one. It's free. It's the best return on investment you'll ever get. Improvement for no price. It's pretty hard to beat. And a lot of libraries, I think you can even download audiobooks to your iPhone or MP3 device um, from your computer. So that's even better, right? Um, another thing you can do, let me see if I got this right. Some books are not available in audio format, but pretty much every book is available on uh, on an ebook format. So for example, on my Kindle, uh, here is a book about uh, raising kids. It's called A Family of Value. And there is a feature that is a text-to-speech feature. And it basically is read by a robot. Whether you want a female voice, a male voice, or whatever, you can change the cadence. You can do all sorts of stuff. Now, when I say robot voice, um, you know, people my age might think of war games, and it sounds really not so good. Um but it actually sounds pretty good. So I'm going to just give you a quick example of what that would sound like. Um, again, this is for books that are not available in audio format. You can basically make a homemade audio book. All right, here's what, it, here's what it sounds like. They were considered experts not because they had gone. Oh, let me see. I don't think that works. The figurative rate of sense. These were people whom they trusted and respected and who, furthermore, were recognized within the community as bona fide experts on the rearing of children. They were considered experts not because they had gone to... All right. Now, it's instead of saying bona fide, it said bona fide. So it does, <laughs> it does kind of mess up things every once in a while. But that's a pretty good way to um, get audio and book information for books that are a little more obscure and this is especially good if you're a student going to school um you know whatever it is psychology science some book law you hate to read uh, but you want to maximize your study time you can change uh turn your commute into study time so a lot of the textbooks are available in e-format and you can just play those in your car all right so in worst case if you're one of the rare people that legitimately don't spend a lot of time, guess what you can do, right? You can, well, you could actually read if you want to, which that's fine. Uh, you could also, guess what? Go for a walk every day, maybe go for a 10, 15, 20 minute walk and listen to uh, your MP3 player or your your iPod or um, your, your mobile device, right? So go for a 20 minute walk with the sole purpose of listening to some of this audio. So you get outside, get your heart rate going a little bit, and you consume some of this material. So it's, it's a really good thing. All right, so here are the, the two main benefits of audio, right? You gain new information, right? Sometimes you need to hear the same thing two or three times before it sinks in. So you can listen to it again, right? Just ask my, uh, my wife this one, right? That's why women talk twice as fast as men, because they know us men are stupid and we need to hear the same message at least twice before it sinks in, all right? So you're either gaining new information or you're reaffirming information you already know, right? Reaffirming and reinforcing. Um, the other thing, the other really big thing is it keeps the bad self-talk out, right? I've already mentioned that before, but you know, you are going to be thinking anyway, you know, why not think big? Um, it's very hard to let self-doubt self creep in when you're listening to a book or a podcast that is giving you practical advice on how to improve some area of your life, okay? So by the way, some of those Zig Ziglar clips, if you like those, um, you can just go to Amazon. He's got a ton of stuff. That was from like the, the greatest hits of Zig Ziglar. I mean, his his forte is in marketing and sales, but he touches on a lot of uh, areas of life. I think some of those programs, I think it was called, um, winning with a balanced life or, a you know, something like a balanced goals program, something like that. But there's a lot, a lot of good, uh, information in the Zig Ziglar, um, tapes and CD. Well, they're not tapes. They converted them to CDs, but he's really great at making points by telling stories. So hopefully you gathered that already. So just throwing that out there in case you're interested in that. Um, 
Here's a few more side benefits of listening to audio. You may actually look forward to your commute, right? I've talked to people that actually don't mind being stuck in traffic now because they're totally engrossed in a book, right? Sometimes people even get to work and they stay and sit in the parking lot for a few extra minutes because they want to finish a certain chapter out, right? Um, They're right in the middle of the story and they want to hear the conclusion, right? So all of a sudden, what a lot of people call stressful, you know, commuting, dealing with traffic, fighting traffic, all of a sudden that becomes enjoyable, right? Uh, And you can find other ways to consume this audio material, right? If you're cleaning the house, you know, I've got a set of uh, Wi-Fi earbuds uh, that I can set my phone down and it's cordless and I can still listen to stuff. So, you know, if I'm cleaning the house or I'm doing the dishes, you know, it's slightly less horrible if I'm listening, you know, to a good book. All right. So, all right. So let's start to wrap things up here. Um, You know, most people um, are really pretty good at at least one area. All right. They're and forgot for most guys, they usually focus on their careers, um, you know, a little bit too much. They they make a lot of money or they they go after the promotion and they sort of talk to themselves. Well, you know, I'm getting this one thing right. So there's a tendency to maybe neglect other areas in in your life, you know, like, oh, hey, I got a good job. I make a lot of money. Oh, do you actually want me to talk to my wife and spend time with my kids? That's that's crazy. Um so guys are especially can fall victim to that. So, you know, what, what's the point of making a ton of money if you have to have heart surgery early because you didn't take care of your body? Or what's the point of having a ton of money if you don't have any friends, right? So that's what this show is all about is to start to get that balance in your life and to get you to start to take action. All right. So So here, as mentioned before, here is your homework assignment, all right? I want you to tell someone to listen to this episode of this podcast, right? Go on this journey together. And and trust me, they they won't be mad, right? Um, If you ask someone to listen to this, uh, I mean, what are they going to be mad? You're going to go, hey, I've got this this show you might want to check out. It's a show about how to improve your life and have a more fulfilling life and reach your goals and become a better spouse and a better father, a better husband here, you know, check it out. Oh, I can't believe you did that. Why would you do that? No, they're going to be totally into it to try and improve their life. Right. And here's what I want you to do. Right. I want you to get someone that can listen to this together with you. And then I want you to email that person your self evaluation of some of the categories we talked about or what Zig talked about, right? I actually just call them the five F's, right? Fitness, which includes health, your family, you know, be a better husband, father, son, or or wife, mother, daughter, Uh, your friends, you know, are you spending time developing your relationships, Uh, your finances? This includes career and your long range financial security, and then faith or some sense of ultimate purpose. In short, you know, why do you do what you do? Why do you, why do you, basically, what are you doing? You know, do you feel like you are a part of something greater than yourself? So those are what I call the five F's, right? Fitness, family, friends, finances, and faith or ultimate purpose. Okay. So I want you to grade yourself and then I want you to send that to, to your buddy and talk about it with him. All right. Um, I know some, some people like to call that an accountability partner. I, I'm not necessarily a big fan of that because accountability partner usually, um, usually involves the negative, like a vice, like, oh, I'm trying to quit smoking or I'm trying to quit drinking or I'm trying to quit, I don't know, eating too many French fries. Um, you know, that's, that's more negative driven, but that, I, that's just kind of me. I like to call it a success buddy, right? Someone you can talk to about your wins and you're not your problems, right? Your challenges, your challenges that you are overcoming, uh, to become, you know, a better, more fulfilled person. All right. So, all right. So here's the summary. Uh, hack number one, listen to as much audio as you can while doing activities like driving that you are already doing anyway. All right. And here's your homework. Be brutally honest with your success buddy. And we're going to use a hack 
that we talked about a little bit earlier. We're going to talk to our phone. We're going to have Siri remind us. So as I'm recording this podcast, it's Thursday. I'm going to think ahead. Okay, I can't do it Friday. I'm busy. All right, so Saturday evening, I should have some time to do this. So I am going to set a reminder. I'm going to model it for you. Then you can pause it, do it yourself, and then you can turn back on the podcast. But here it goes. Push the button. Remind me Saturday at 9.30 p.m. to email my success buddy my self-evaluation. Here's your reminder for Saturday at 9.30 p.m. All right. I hit the confirm shall button. Shall I create it? Yes, you should. Okay. Confirm. I'll remind you. Boom. There you go. There's a hack for you. All right. So think about when you can do that. Pause it. Put it in your phone. You'll be reminded. Then you don't have to think about it again because your trusty phone will remind you. And there you go. All right, so we are we are wrapping up episode number one, folks. Uh, over the following weeks, we are going to heavily stack the deck in your favor. Thanks for listening. We hope you found a few nuggets of wisdom that you can apply to your life. Until next time, take action. Keep hacking and stacking your way to success.